Hey everyone, thanks for joining us today on O-Face Wrestling. This is your co-host Christy, joined by your host JT. And today we are joined by MCW Heavyweight Champion Keikawa. How are you? Aloha. I'm doing fantastic. It's a gorgeous morning and I'm ready to talk. I'm ready to chat. Thank you so much for joining us today. We know you're super busy and have a crazy schedule, so we really do appreciate you chatting with us today. It really does mean a lot to us. Um, secondly, I want to congratulate you again on winning the MCW Heavyweight Championship. You know, we were there that night. We were sitting second row. I had 102 uh, degree fever. I was essentially dying. But we were there and we were able to witness that moment. And not only was that just an overall incredible match, but just that moment for you was just, I, me sitting in the crowd, like watching that. I can't even imagine how you felt being that person. Um, yeah. Just that win, when you got that win and they handed you that title and just like that look on your face, you could just tell how genuinely happy you were and just so thankful in that moment. So how was that moment for you, winning that title? Yeah. You're getting me, me teary-eyed just hearing it. <laughs> um, no, and it... And it it, and thank you, first off, for having me on the show. Thank you for being in the crowd yeah. um, for that and, and, and pushing through a 100-degree fever. Um, <laughs> it was rough, means, but... <laughs> yeah, that means the world to me. Um, you know, uh, I just like you said, the moment of it happening and then just kind of taking in all this realization because, you know, I've been doing this for, um, you know, coming up on 14 years now. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a moment... I've always wanted to come to MCW. Um, It was always on the to-do list. And um, there's just different things that kind of delayed for me ever going there. And then there was at one point where it was like, all right, this is enough. Like, I I need to make the moves. And luckily, it happened for me a lot faster than I I thought it was going to be. I got very lucky and very fortunate. Um, But overall, like, besides, you know, obviously appreciating the moment, um, you know, cause there was a time where I didn't know if I was going to be able to do well in MCW. It's not a lack of confidence. It's just a matter of it's uncharted territory. You mm-hmm. see the big names that come through there and how great and amazing talented roster that they have. And there was a moment of like, you know, when I wasn't there of like, all right, how well would I do there? That's, that's a big mm-hmm. question. And it's a, it's a question that I need answered. So from literally, you know, after winning the title and then kind of being in that moment and going like, hey, you answered your own question. I guess you're doing okay. Um, and then again, like just, uh, and I've talked about this on, you know, multiple different platforms about how I've had multiple near-death experiences. And especially, uh, I hope that, you know, as as tragic an event of this Kobe Bryant incident mm-hmm. happening these past couple days I really honestly hope that everyone takes this as a lesson of, mm-hmm. you know, tomorrow is never promised. I know it's talked about a lot. Everyone talks about it. Everyone talks about it. But I hope that they can pull some type of positive out of this and really, you know, take a look and realizing like, yeah, it, it, that's a true statement. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, especially coming from a legend that Kobe was. So from my own experiences and then having that moment, I just kind of wanted to like close my eyes and just kind of, listen to everything that was happening and just kind of embrace the moment and hopefully never forget it and and just appreciate 
that I got to that point. And if I never get to main event WrestleMania or if I never get signed by WWE, if that's the, the peak of my career, at least I got to cherish that moment and, yeah. you know, hold on to it. Yeah, definitely. So you said you're coming up on 14 years wrestling, which is, that's a long time. That's a really long time. So how did you initially get into wrestling? So um, when I was a junior in high school, I met a gentleman by the name of Bud Carson, who used to own a pro wrestling memorabilia store in Allentown. And he actually had a ring in the back of his shop that he would host like birthday parties for kids and stuff like that. And uh, I went back there and, you know, we, me and my friends would be able to get in the ring and like have some fun. We would just pay him like 10 bucks to get in the ring and stuff. So Mm -hmm. it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And then um, at one point, uh, you know, he was thinking about starting up a wrestling school. Um, And since he had already knew that I was a big fan of wrestling and obviously I was going to get in the ring and, you know, and, and have some fun. Um, you know, he asked me if I wanted to sign up and, you know, I absolutely did, which is a funny story because, um, so when I was getting ready to graduate, um, this was around the time of my senior year now of when the school was getting, uh, was about to start mm-hmm. when I was getting ready to graduate my high school sweetheart and I, we were getting ready to go on like a, a trip as like a celebration of that we graduated. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we were supposed to go on a cruise. My dad, was going to uh, have us go on a cruise as, as like a president. Um, but my uh, ex-girlfriend, she didn't like cruises. She didn't like boats. <laughs> so I was like, well, why don't you just give us, you know, however much you want. And I was like, and then we'll just plan our own little trip. So I think he gave me like 500 bucks as like a congratulations, go, go have a trip or something. Yeah. So we were getting ready to plan a trip to go to Florida. And then that was around the time that Bud Carson approached me and he's like, Hey, I'm about to start a wrestling school. Do you want to sign up? And I'm like, how much do you need to start? And he goes, how much you got? I'm like, I'm like, I got $500. <laughs> and he was like, all right, that's, that's enough. Let's get, let's get it started. And I went home that night and I was like, yo, babe, uh, I don't think so we're funny going on story. anymore. She was like, what did you do? And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to go wrestle. And she goes, all right, that's fair enough. I know that's something you want to do. Uh, so that's how I, that's how I got my start. I started training actually during my senior year. Oh, wow. And then, uh, never never look back yeah that's awesome so in those 14 years and not just with you but with any professional wrestler you know mm-hmm. they evolve you know you evolve your character you learn things you know as you're in the industry and you know yep. going forward so within those 14 years and obviously so you are the hawaiian warrior and obviously mm-hmm. you are hawaiian so i under i get that point. Yes. and um which and i think it's awesome that you incorporate like your heritage into your character i think that is amazing and actually the first mcw show that jt and i have, had ever been to was just back in december when i think it was the 27th at the um, new year extravaganza show and we weren't even really planning on staying we were there he wanted to meet um renee michelle and we were like, well, we have tickets, you know, why not? Like, why not just stay? And then ever since then, like, we've just been hooked. And it's just such a different experience because we're really big into WWE. So it was such a different experience being there versus at, like, you know, a Monday Night Raw show or, you know, whatever. And we really just kind of had a huge, a different appreciation for pro wrestling, witnessing that, because you can just tell you guys, 
you know, when you guys come out, when you're in the ring, you can just tell that you're just genuinely happy to just to be doing what you're doing. You're, you know, you're not necessarily there for the paycheck. You're not necessarily there, you know, for the fame to be on TV and anything like that. And it's just such a huge difference. But so the main event was, it was, um, you, Brandon Scott and Brett Titus, and, you know, you had came out and my first thought, I was like, Ooh, like, okay, I, I like his character. I love your headpiece and your intro. And I was just like, okay. And then you started wrestling and I was like, that's it. Like that, like you could just tell your passion that you have in the ring. So in those 14 years, how did you evolve and become the Hawaiian warrior? So, uh, and what, how it, the the main the, the main reason why I evolved to the Hawaiian Warrior was actually when I tore my ACL. Um, I was Keikoa the Flying Hawaiian for uh, I think like eight eight or nine years or something like that, and then I tore my ACL uh, in North Carolina, and then um, I had to take off. I had to get surgery, and um, it seems like when somebody gets injured and they come back, it's like it's completely different than ever yeah so I didn't and I knew at this point that I I had been doing the flying Hawaiian for so long and when I would try out for ring of honor or I would get to in in front of the right people it was yeah the pieces are there but there's something missing and I don't and and no one can answer that but yourself Mm -hmm. it seemed like I would get to that glass barrier but I wouldn't be able to break through it um so I needed to figure it out and then while I was injured I had this idea for a character, which is generally like my heel character, but since nobody ever likes me heel because they're like, you're, you're a really nice guy. You're a good guy. <laughs> so they're like, we want you as a good guy. So uh, I don't get to do it often, but this is how it evolved. So I came up with this character. Um, I based it off of the original King of Hawaii, which is King Kamehameha. King Kamehameha is a, um, you know, he's like a god in Hawaii. Um, mm-hmm. He's got streets, colleges named after him. Like he's got his own statue. Like oh, wow. he's the one. He's the one that united the Hawaiian Islands. Oh, wow. And as I was researching King Kamehameha, I learned of the story about how when he was getting ready for battle, he had taken um, his children, and he walked them to a top of a volcano, and he actually threw them down into the volcano and sacrificed them to the gods in order to sacrifice his own blood in order to win a war. And I was like, Oh my gosh. I was like, that's some bad guy shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I was like, why is this guy, why is, why is this a good guy? So so I thought about that. I was like, man, that's such an easy, like if he's willing to, to kill his and sacrifice his own blood, like imagine what he would do to any, you know, for anything to gain. So I was like, Oh man, that's the character. So, um, my headpiece, my robe, uh, my spear is all based off of his statue because he's wearing his war helmet, he's wearing his robe, and he's got a spear. Um, so that's where my heel character came when I started calling myself King Keikoa, the, the warrior king. Because King, or excuse me, Keikoa actually means courageous warrior in Hawaiian. So it's a self and that's my real name. Like, that's the other funny is part, Is it really? Too. Yeah, oh, so wow. a lot of people a lot of people think it's a gimmick. So they're like, I'm sorry, I've been calling you Keikoa for like five years. What the hell is your real name? And I'm like, and I have to pull out my driver's license and show them. They're like, no way. Uh, so that's how that started. I was King, I was the warrior King, King Keikoa. And then I started being a heel at a bunch of places, but they were like, 
man, we just, we need you to be a baby face because we need a strong baby face and, and you did very well. So then I went back to the flying Hawaiian and I was like, well, now I have this, I have this headpiece sitting here that's not getting used. I have this robe sitting here that's not getting used. I'm like, I didn't really want to use it as a good guy because I think it's more of a bad guy. But at the same time, all these people were like, you know, how am I supposed to boo you when you have this amazing <laughs> headpiece? Like, you look so, you look so cool. You look like a Mortal Kombat character. And I'm like, all right, okay, I guess I'll use it as a good guy. So then I was like, all right, I'll just call myself a wine warrior. Like, just embrace what I kind of already am, what I was born with. Yeah. Um, so that's how I eventually became uh, the war, uh, the Hawaiian warrior and how it was just like, you know, stop fighting what I kind of already have. I have a self, you know, made gimmick, which is the other funny thing too. Uh, when I first got into wrestling, I didn't want to be named Kikawa because I've grown up my entire life where everyone just kind of butchers my name. And I'm like, mm. well, I don't want to, I don't want to, and not that it bothers me, but I'm like, well, I don't want to be on a show. And then I go out there and they're like, and now entering the ring, K-Cola. And I'm like, well, that's <laughs> That's not how you say it. So I'm like, I, th I thought it was just going to be too difficult for people to comprehend or be able to say. And then uh, we were trying to think of names and I'm like, well, I can't really think of anything. So I just, I'm, I guess I'm just going to be Keikoa. And, uh, and, and, and to me, it works out better anyway, because that's just who I am. So yeah. just go with it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Now, when you were talking about heel and baby face, You've been both, and right now you are a face. Mm -hmm. To to my knowledge, you are a face. Um, what are you more comfortable as? Um, either or, if to be honest, but like, um, it's easier for me to be a. I mean, really, yeah. I I don't. I wouldn't say one is easier than the other. Like, I've been babyface a lot longer than I've been mm -hmm. a heel, but to me, being a heel is too easy. And the way that I always explain it to people is, imagine going to a party where no one knows who you are. You could literally walk into the room, not say a thing to someone, and they could be like, who's this idiot? Right. Like, they could just look at you and not like you. Right. So to me, going out there and getting people to hate you is super easy. Getting people to like you, I think, is super hard. Um, so for me to be able to go out there and just be like, hey, here's, here's who I am. Mm -hmm. you know, take me as I am, or if you, if you don't want to like me, then don't like me. But, um, I feel like the way that, um, you know, between my facial expressions, between my character, the, um, the, what I wear to the ring, the energy that I feel I bring, I think, I think it's easy for, for kids to especially like me. Yeah. Um, but either way, um, you know, like, to go back to your question, I don't think that I, I, I don't prefer one or the other. I think it's just easier for me to just be who I am, because then the other problem, too, is if you're a if you're a heel and you're like telling people to shut up or getting people to hate you and then like you meet fans and then you're like, oh, well, now I, I kind of have to show my appreciation right. for you because I, I need you here as much as I also get where people are like, well, you're a bad guy, so you should be a bad guy and tell people that, you know, you hate them. And like I get both, but it, it doesn't. I don't feel right doing it right. because I'm just generally a nice guy. And at least that's what I think. So maybe <laughs> it is, maybe it is just easier for me to be a heel. I guess that's yeah. what, I, or I'm sorry, a baby face. So I guess. That's right. what I prefer. Yeah. yeah. I definitely like agree with you because like it is easier being a heel. Anyone could go out there and say, shut up, blah, 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 and get hated. But as a face, like one of the 
you know, key factors in being a successful <coughs> face is getting people to like you. Because anyone could also go out there and be a nice guy, but if the fans aren't behind you, then are you really a face? Mm-hmm. But then the the other tricky thing too, like you mentioned being a heel, like I, me personally, like I love when, you know, the wrestlers show appreciation, whether they're heel or face, like it just, like I know like it's, not, they're playing a character on TV, like, I don't want them to play the character outside of the ring, you know, when you're meeting them as a fan, you know, you don't want that bad experience and all that. But what's funny too, is like some people, it's actually challenging being a heel for them, not because they can't do it because sometimes the fans just get that baby face vibe. Like I see it all the time watching wrestling, like where uh, wrestlers out there just dragging the fans and they're cheering him still, you know, just based off of the vibe they get and like you like you know that's the kind of vibe we get like when we see you we just naturally just want to cheer for you regardless of what kind of character you it's just the vibe that you know you can't teach you know thank you um yeah i i I, to kind of go back to um you know somebody coming out and trying to be a good guy and just people not liking you is it's actually a, a funny story or a funny experience that i had where I was at a company and I was begging them to let me turn heel because I generally am not heel and I just wanted to kind of switch it up so that I'm just getting good at both. Mm-hmm. And they were like, all right, we're going to let you turn heel. Um, you're going to turn on um, this guy after a match. You're going to just give him a super kick out of nowhere. So you guys will be cool during the match and then, you know, turn on him afterwards. Mm-hmm. So, um, but like the guy came out, and he started being a, a jerk to the fans, and but he's supposed to be a, a good guy. And he's supposed to be nice, and I'm like, you're like he 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 got on the corner to do like his photo pose, and he saw a bunch of people like on their phones, and he yelled at him to get off their phones. And I'm like, well, now they don't like you. <laughs> and then I forget I, I forget what else he was doing in the match, but there was a lot of things that he was doing where I'm like, oh, I remember him yelling at the ref at one point. I'm like, now the referee hates you, and I'm like, and now the. And now more of the fans are going to hate you because you're yelling at the referee and you're yelling at fans. I'm like, what, what is going on here? Right. So in the middle of the match, I'm like, this isn't going to work. But I'm like, but I'm going to do it because that's what, that's what we're supposed to do. And after the match was over, we hugged, we embraced, and then I kicked them and the fans like lost their mind and they cheered and they were so happy that I did it. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> great. Right. Um, so sometimes it is hard for people to just, you know, even though that they're trying to be one way, like they're natural you know their natural person comes out and is you know so he was naturally like pissed off that these fans were on phones and wanted to yell at them so yeah I think it is just difficult for some people yeah and sometimes it has to be the right story and the right person like you can't just necessarily turn you know anyone it has to be there has to be a story behind it rather than it just being this one random moment like it works like if if you have two wrestlers and they're clearly best friends and they've been you know teaming up for a while that makes sense and that's a good heel turn but sometimes if it's just some random person that you work with for the first time or just a few times sometimes the fans won't really yeah it won't hit them as like a heel turn sometimes because like and also like he kind of screwed it up for himself too like you know you're yelling at the fans and then you get kicked of course they're gonna be happy about that you know as they were and, and it's still a running joke today where they're like oh the only guy to turn heel and get baby face pops <laughs> uh, yeah so that, that actually like brings up a question because you had mentioned like during the match you felt like hey this heel turn isn't gonna work because of how he's acting have you ever been in a match where you had something planned and then you had to like throw an audible and change the ending um i've never thrown an audible um 
no, I, I don't think it, I mean, because even in that moment, I knew it wasn't going to work, but I'm like, but I'm going, to, I, I'd rather, I'd rather get yelled at for something not working, but I followed the protocol than completely changing it and then asking for forgiveness. Um, at the end of the day, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm doing what I'm told to do. So exactly. Do yeah, the so I've never thrown an audible. Well, I know sometimes it, it, I guess it depends on promotions, like the referees, they'll have like an earpiece and someone backstage might radiums and hey, we're changing something and then they relate to the wrestlers. Does it work like that on the indie scene as well? Um, so to give you an example, um, there's only, other than Evolve, there's only one other company that I work for that uses earpieces to communicate and that's my company. <laughs> and, <laughs> And it's me on the other side of the microphone. <laughs> so, uh, so I've never had to do that for my company. Um, if anything, it's like, hey, hurry the hell up or tell him to move or, mm -hmm. you know, something small. Never an audible. Um, but, uh, and, and even an involved too, like, um, you know, I've only wrestled there once, but we didn't get that. So uh, I'm sure it happens or I'm sure some things are slightly changed, but completely going off book or something like that. I'm sure it's probably happened once or twice, but to me and, and my personal experiences, no, it hasn't happened. Okay. Yeah, I've always wanted to know, like, cause you had that mindset of a certain end and then like, if they say, Hey, never mind, you're dropping your championship. Like, how do you like react? Cause you can't just necessarily show that frustration in the middle of the yeah. ring. You have I mean, the, you know, the only time that I've ever actually like had to completely change something was when I tore my ACL in a match. Um, we were supposed to go like 25 minutes and I tore it within like the first minute. And um, I honestly didn't even think I was going to be able to get up. Um, so, and it, and what I feel awful about was it was the main event and um, you know, because we were supposed to go so long and we were supposed to build something up to later. Um, I kind of rolled out of the ring and I was like, I honestly don't think I'm be able to keep going and um the the other thing too and i've talked about this with other wrestlers it's like well you know you should suck it up and keep going because you know that's what we're supposed to do yeah i absolutely agree that is what we're supposed to do but there's a big difference when you're on wwe and you're getting paid x amount of dollars and that's your full-time job and everything like that and then we're on the independence where you know it might not be our full-time job or you know we're just scraping by um, so there's a big difference. And you also have to think about the long run. Yeah. Um, so to give you an instance, like at that time when I did it, like wrestling um, was obviously not my full-time job. Um, so I still had work, you know, Monday morning. Um, so when it happens and then, uh, you know, that's not what's bringing home the bills. Like if I were to continue to wrestle and I messed it up so badly that I, you know, couldn't physically work for quite some time, you know what I mean? Like you're, you're just making it worse for yourself. There's a big difference when, you know, you're wrestling for WWE and, um, you know, I'm sure there's ways that you are still taken care of when you're injured because technically you were injured at work. I'm not saying they get workers comp. I don't know how, exactly how it works, but either way, it's a different pay. It's a different pay schedule than, than mm -hmm. the independent. So, um, as much as I wanted to keep going, I, I just was thinking about the long run and I just didn't want to make things worse. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing what people don't realize is that had you still been wrestling with that torn ACL, who knows if how you would have recovered, if you could have, you know, you could have just made it a lot worse than what it already was. And, you know, like I said, like, just like the recovery 
you don't know how that could have affected anything if you would have that lasted that 25 minutes and bristled on that, you know? So now going back, you mentioned that you've had a couple near death experiences, which is very scary. Were any of those wrestling related or have you ever had something not go as planned in the ring? Cause accidents happen all the time. Um, especially obviously in pro wrestling. And I mean, there's WWE superstars whose careers have ended unfortunately and suddenly because of accidents and it's necessarily not anybody's fault accidents happen and that's something that you guys are taking a risk with every time you step foot in that ring and it you know not even doing anything crazy just any little thing can happen so have you ever had any of those experiences in the ring where something didn't go as planned or somebody got injured unintentionally whether it was you or your opponent yeah uh, there's been tons of times where um you know someone is off um i remember wrestling chris wild and um he had mentioned to me before the match like hey i've been having some some cardio issues he's like i don't really know what's going on with me but he's like if i get tired he's like i'll let you know and it was like right in the beginning of the match and i'm like and we were supposed to go like 20 minutes and i'm like we can stop you know like this isn't this isn't you know life and death situation here um and for him he did almost die uh, not in that match particularly but he had health issues and then when he when he finally went and got checked out they were like yeah this could have been something very serious mm-hmm. so there's been stuff like that there's been times where i've been wrestling somebody and you can tell that they have a concussion they don't know that they have a concussion mm-hmm. but i can definitely tell they have a concussion um so that has to change things um me personally i've been knocked out multiple times um sometimes where i do remember something that happened and other times where i completely don't know what happened um so the first time that i ever got a concussion um the padding in the middle of the ring started separating Mm -hmm. and when i took a bump i hit my head straight on the wood Mm -hmm. and i remember like the first few seconds after and then the next thing i know i was in the locker room and i knew the match was over but the funny part was when I went out during intermission to sell merchants and sign autographs, um, someone was showing me pictures of the match. And I remember being on someone's shoulders in the picture. And I'm like, I don't remember that. Right. And then I, and then I was on the top rope and I'm like, I don't remember that. And then they were showing me all these other, I'm like, I don't remember any of this. Right. Like, so, so I don't know how the hell I finished this match. Yeah. You know, the lights were on, but no one was home. But then there was another instance and this was actually funny too. So I was wrestling in PPW and um, I was wrestling a guy named Sam Adams and um, Sam is very good in the ring. This was just an accident. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, he came off the top rope to hit me with an elbow drop. And as he was coming down, I'm like, man, he looks, he looks like he's going to land on my head. And that's exactly what happened. He landed right on my head. So what was funny was I remember him flying in the air And then the next thing I know, things went black. And then the next thing I knew, I was laying on my side, but I knew I just kicked out. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I was just knocked out. This was very weird. And when I kicked out, I whispered over, I'm like, you give give me a minute because you just knocked me out. (laughs) So somehow I remembered getting knocked out. I don't remember him landing on me Mm -hmm. and I don't remember kicking out, but I knew that I just kicked out. And then, and the reason that it's funny was because after the match was over, my wife came up to me and she was like, what happened on the elbow drop? And before I told her, I was like, why do you say that? And she goes, cause you kicked out, 
but you you didn't kick out like you normally kick out mm. she's like you you kick out very strong like you know like obviously you don't want to lose she's like right. it wasn't weak but she's like it just wasn't you what yeah. happened and i'm like oh i was knocked out <laughs> <laughs> And she's like, what? And I'm like, I, was, I, was, I was completely gone. I was like, the lights were on, but no one was home. Right. Um, so it's weird how like, that happened, but somehow I remembered or like my body knew what just happened, but mm -hmm. like, I don't remember it. So yeah. things and have happened. Yeah, and like that's that's such a scary thing to think about, you know, and like I said, you guys have to think about that kind of stuff every time you get in the ring when you're wrestling somebody, whether it's somebody you've wrestled a hundred times or somebody who you're wrestling for the first time and you're not sure of their style. And I mean that happens in WWE all the time, and I'm not sure how much of WWE you watch, but um, there was a match between Charlotte Flair and Sasha Banks, two of like the top women in the WWE women's division. And Charlotte Flair was just having such an off night. And I mean, there were times like she's dropped Sasha like straight, like just from like the top rope, she's dropped her, not intentionally, of course, but you know, dropped her and like the way she landed on her neck. And I'm like, oh my, like her neck's about to like snap in half. And it's just so insane to think about that. And like I said, like, it's not necessarily anybody's fault. Everybody has off nights and off times. And it's just really scary to think about that. You guys are just going out there for our entertainment, you know, risking your lives and risking injuries just to entertain us. And it's just, it's an incredible thing, but it's also extremely scary as well. So it's just like, to me, I feel like just communication in the ring is like the biggest thing. And that's not something we really see as fans, you know, like we don't really see you guys like talking and whispering and this and that. We're not really paying attention to that things. We're paying attention to moves. So I just think that's like a really cool thing that you guys do. So what do you think is like as a pro wrestler is like your biggest challenge? Mm. I don't know. I don't know what the biggest challenge would be because it, it doesn't matter you know, like you said, who you're wrestling or, mm -hmm. um, you know, if anything, you know, now that I think about it, probably my biggest challenge now is I feel like I've built this reputation of somebody that's consistent with their work. Mm -hmm. Um, somebody that people like to come see. I feel like I, I've built that reputation. Um, whether I'm right or wrong, I don't know, but, um, I mean, we came back a second but, time. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so especially now that I'm the champion, I, I, it's, a, it's a completely different thing. So I feel like the, the demand for the wow factor or the demand to continue at that, at that level mm -hmm. of entertainment and quality matches, I it's feel like pressure. that's, yeah, I feel like that would probably be the biggest challenge because, mm -hmm. There are times where, you know, as much as you want to give somebody an amazing show, sometimes, you know, things don't go right or someone's sick and they don't know it, but they try to fight through it. Um, so I think, but overall, I think just that if I had to say what the biggest challenge is, I say it would just be um, to continuously evolve, to continuously outperform your last performance, or at least continue to get better and have great matches and everything like that and also i think a big challenge is also pulling out an amazing match with somebody that you've never been in the ring with mm -hmm. um I, it's been talked about time and time again with different athletes to where they say yeah the first time that we ever had a match it was it was chemistry right away and mm -hmm. that does happen and then there's other times where 
there's there's two guys that are that are both very good at what they do and then they get in the ring and it's just it's just not right it's like yeah it's kind of like putting the uh, two magnets together that are just not right and they just mm-hmm. they just go the opposite way that, that that's the best way to explain it so i think that would probably be the biggest challenge is just you know continuously um you know having great matches and, and being at that high le- high level of an athlete sure so going back to something that you mentioned earlier about going to MCW, you mentioned that it was like that was on your list. That was like a big deal, you know, being a wrestler for their promotion. Um, how did it feel when they finally like when they came to you and said, "Hey, we're gonna make you our champion"? Like, how did that feel to you? Um, it was uh, it was something that I felt was coming, but like I I've been doing this long enough where I'm like I don't. I don't uh, guess things. I don't uh, anticipate things. I just kind of do what I do and just keep going. Um, but when we were, when Dante and I were feuding for so long, it was like, all right, it might seem like this is the direction that we're going, but we'll mm-hmm. see. It might just be one big build up, and then something happens and then I go off on another tangent and I might come back, you know, who knows? Um, how many times have you watched, uh, you know, WWE and then they put the title on someone and then all of a sudden someone cashes in and it goes in the opposite direction of what you thought was going to happen. Not that we have that, but either way. Um, (laughs) But uh, when they told me like that was okay, like it's happening again, like I'm very much a in the moment person. So like when they, when it was known, like it's going to happen, it was more or less like, all right, let's not think about that. Like I still have a job to do first. Sure. Um, So let me focus on, the moment when it happens yeah so when it actually does happen because like you already know it's gonna happen like that when you wanted did it still feel like wow like i actually did it versus kind of like okay i knew this was gonna happen and it happened like you know whatever no because i mean like i said i I (coughs) i live in the moment um like i said when i got the green light it was like okay you know i still have a job to do um I, I didn't expect it to happen, um, you know. So here's the other thing: there's people in this world that sacrifice and they work hard and they do this and they do that, and then things never happen for them. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's so many people that are like, "Oh, this guy deserves a title, or this guy deserves this, this guy deserves that." Yeah, there's a lot of people that deserve a lot of things, but that doesn't necessarily happen. So just because I was putting time into my diet, I was putting time into the gym, I was putting time into in-ring work, it doesn't mean I'm going to be the heavyweight champion. Um, I mean, look at all of the phenomenal legends that WWE has had, and they've never become um, they've never become champions, such as like Roddy Piper, Ted DiBiase, phenomenal wrestlers who all des- who all should have deserved it, but it just didn't happen that way. So. I never had the thought of I deserve something or I expected this to happen. It's just a matter of I'm going to keep working hard. If it happens, great. If it doesn't, I'm not going to stress over it. Is it hard maintaining like a, you know, your normal self when you come out? Like if you know you're going to win versus or knowing that you're going to lose, like, because I know sometimes when we watch wrestling, you could just tell if a wrestler is going to win based off of their, you know, how they're coming out with a smile on their face. I wouldn't be able to contain myself. I'm just going to say that right now. If I was ever a pro wrestler, knowing I'm, you know, walking out there and going to be walking back into the locker room as a champion, I would not be able <laughs> to contain myself <laughs> at all. Um, for me, I still have a job to do. Mm-hmm. Um, because let's put it this way. If I knew that night, or excuse me, when I knew that night that it was happening, 
if I went out and I had a god awful match, but I still want to me, I didn't win. Like nobody cares about it. Um, they're gonna go home and be like, that was a god awful match, but I'm glad I'm glad he won. Um, it was boring. I don't want to be boring. Mm-mm. So my mindset is so focused on making sure that fans are coming back to make sure that um, you know they got their money's worth, so that when they go home they remember the entire night and not just like one thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah it makes sense because like I'm too at focused. The end of the, at the end of the day, like us fans, we just want a good match. I mean, yes, we want our favorite wrestlers to win the title or retain the title, but if they win the title and it's a bad match, it leaves like a sour taste in your mouth. Like you want to see like there's been so many times where i have i had a favorite wrestler lose a match but the match was so good i'm like okay well at least i got you know entertained versus you know like you know watching the stinker so let me give you a great example how many movies let's just say a guy is chasing for the girl and the guy wants to be with this girl and the entire movie he's doing everything that he can to be with this girl the girl doesn't want him and at the end of the movie obviously they end up together, right? So you get the you get the ending that you want, but if you're falling asleep during the entire movie and the guy gets a girl at the end, you honestly don't care. You're not ever gonna watch that film again. So it, it, it works the same way for me. Um, I wanna make sure that the it's a movie that you're gonna watch over and over again and not just the ending. Yeah, it, it makes sense. Like a good ending is awesome, but you know, it's just the story and the journey to getting there is also extremely important. Absolutely. Like with your match, when you won the MCW Heavyweight Championship, like I'm not even exaggerating the whole time. Like I'm sitting on the edge of my seat because I'm like, and I could just like sense like when you all three were in the ring together and the match started, like I could just sense that something big was going to happen. Like something about that match versus the match back in December was just a little bit different. Like I just, I felt like this energy and I was like, all right, I know something's going to happen. And then Brett Titus, who was the champion at the time, he was the first one to get eliminated. And I'm like, all right, like something big is going to happen. And then the whole entire roster came out, which was incredible. Like everybody was just there to witness this because you knew something, you know, you knew there was going to be a title change now between mm-hmm. you and Brandon Scott, who was it going to be? And thankfully it was you. That was, an, you know, an incredible moment for you. But like just the whole time I'm like sitting on the edge of my seat. I'm like, all right, I know something's going to happen. Like something big is going to happen. And it was, it was just amazing. Like the whole entire match was just amazing. I mean, the match back in December was amazing too, but it was just something a little bit different about this match. Like the energy was just a little bit different. And the whole time I'm like sitting there and I'm like, all right, what's going to happen? I'm like grabbing his leg. I'm like, what's going to happen? So yeah. Now where, where do you see like, what are your goals as a pro wrestler? Like what, what do you, what's your biggest goal that you want to accomplish? Um, so if you're in this line of work and um, your goal isn't to main event WrestleMania, then okay. Like I'm not saying, I'm not saying, Hey, what are you doing? Because let's put it this way. Um, and I always like to make it like more personal experiences so that somebody can, can understand where my mindset is or what, what my thinking is. So if, um, if both of you guys wanted to start your own business, right? Mm-hmm. If you wanted to open up, let's just say a, a bakery and you just say, Hey, I don't want to work for anybody else. I want a bakery. I want to work, um, you know, Monday to Friday, nine to five. I don't care if we make a million dollars. 
I just want my, I just want to work for myself. I want to do what I love, which is baking. And, um, I just want to work Monday to Friday. I have off on the weekends, spend time with kids, you know, whatever. That's, that's what you want to do. That's your success. Right. Mm-hmm. But then the next person who wants to start, let's just say a restaurant who wants a chain, who wants, you know, 300 locations across the country, who wants to make millions and millions of dollars. That's their goal. That's fine. You're both in the restaurant world. You're both in that, in that entrepreneur world. You just, you guys just have different goals. Mm-hmm. So it's not when someone, when someone tells me like, well, I don't want to, I don't want a main event WrestleMania. That's not my goal. That's fine. That's your goal. Um, you have absolutely every right to say, I just wanted to wrestle on the independence. I just want to do this on the weekends as like my getaway. And you know, that's fine because I don't want to be on the road. I want to be able to raise a family. I've heard stories about how these legends were on the road so much that they missed so many moments with their kids. And I don't want mm-hmm. that. Absolutely. Perfectly fine. Everyone has their own world. Everyone has their own life to live. And, uh, you know, which, whatever story you want to write for yourself, like that's on you. Um, as for me, like I would absolutely love to main event at WrestleMania. I would absolutely love to be the world heavyweight champion WWE. Um, is that going to happen? Um, sometimes like that's where you have to kind of put your mind at ease and just say, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. If you stress so much on this is what my goal is, and if I don't reach it, it's going to have this emptiness inside you, then you're missing out on a lot of different things where you're too focused on that one and you're missing all of this other good. It's kind of like when, you know, someone that has an an amazing family, they have their own house, they have a great job, they're not poor, they have food on their table, they have a roof over their heads, and they're like, oh man, but I've always wanted, I've always wanted a Bentley, and I don't have a Bentley. It's like you're missing all of this other good in the world that you have that you're mm-hmm. not showing as much appreciation for. So when I say I want to main event WrestleMania and I want to be the world heavyweight champion, if I continuously stressed over that every single day and every day, every day that I don't have that, it brought me down. But then if you step back and I just go, well, I'm married. Uh, I'm going to have kids one day. I bought my own house. I was the MCW heavyweight champion. I was able to travel the world. I was able to be in magazines. I was able to on WWE. I got to do all these other amazing things. So just because I don't have that one thing that I have always wanted, it doesn't bring down the rest of my world and it doesn't take the appreciation away from everything else. So as much, and then also too, on top of it, again, with these near death experiences, you have no idea what tomorrow brings. So if you're continuously stressing over that, and like you're forgetting all of these other little things that matter just as much, if not more than that one thing that you want. Mm-hmm. So it, WWE and main event and WrestleMania, it's always going to be the goal. Um, but if it doesn't happen, um, I still consider myself absolutely 1 million percent lucky that I got to do everything that I've gotten to do so far. I really like that answer, to be honest, because like, yeah, there are plenty of wrestlers on the independent circuit. They want to go to WWE. They want to main event <laughs> media and, you know, be the WWE champion and all that. And that's great. Like, that's a really good goal. But there are also plenty of wrestlers. They just want to do the indie circuit. Like you said, they, they, they want to, you know, just do it as like a side thing. They want to, you know, have a life and, you know, spend time with their family. Because, yeah, I've heard it too. I've heard all the stories about these wrestlers that are on the road. 300 plus days a year you know they don't get to see their family you know and all this kind of stuff and like when 
when you're on the indie circuit, you kind of, I mean, I don't know how it works with like MCW and all, but like you, you skip, you book yourself, you go per date. Like you don't sign this contract and, and are obligated to work all these days, you know, in that time frame and all that. So it's, you have a lot more freedom. You can work with a lot of, you know, different wrestlers too, versus just being, you know, stuck with that one company. And it's like I said, it's just, it's not for everyone. And just because you don't want to go to WrestleMania and do it, that doesn't mean you're less passionate. That doesn't yeah. mean you're not good enough. That just, that's your choice at the end of the day. And that's fine. Like it just, it just like kind of like obsessing with some people kind of like drag some wrestlers. Like, Why don't you go to you know, WWE? Why don't you go here? Maybe they're happy there. Maybe, you know, they like working for themselves and kind of picking and choosing when they can wrestle because it's kind of like when you work for yourself at home like you can make your own schedule you know if you want to take the time off you can like with wwe and all that you can't really always do that i mean it seems like they're generous at least during the christmas and all but like you may be working on your birthday you may be working on your kid's birthday like you really don't know and it you just get a lot more freedom on the independent circuit yeah. And, um, you know, like I said, the, all, all aspects of what your goals and aspirations are, are welcome in the world of wrestling. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm going to associate with those people that only want to do it on the weekends. It's that's just that's not my goal. And um, in order for me to get to my goal, um, you know, I, I think of that I need to be around the people that are striving for more, um, you know, to kind of put it into an instance for, for people to understand. It's like, if you play, let's say, uh, you know, flag football, right? You weren't, uh, you didn't go pro, you didn't continuous, you didn't, you didn't stay continuous with it, but you want to do, you want to play football because you're passionate about football. And you also want to play football with people that are going to be competitive about it, not the people that are going to go and drink a bunch of beers and then get with their, you know, their buddies or whatever, and then just like have a pickup game and have fun or whatever. They want to be more competitive. So again, like that's where their avenue is. So um, I'm very competitive with wrestling and I'm very competitive with where I want to be. So uh, I can't physically put myself in WWE. I would like to go there. So until that point that I'm there, I have to be around the people that also have those same goals and aspirations to get there. And that's what's going to help me get there. So again, um, you know, all avenues are appreciated and, you know, thumbs up for whatever you want to do. Um, I just won't associate with like, okay, that's your goal. This is my goal. You, you hang out over there. I'm going to hang out over here. Yeah, that makes a lot, a lot of sense because, I mean, I kind of do that, too, with, like, my pockets. Like, I never thought of it that way, but I do like to associate myself with other, you know, people who run podcasts and have that goal, too. One of my best friends, she runs her own wrestling podcast. We talk all the time. Like, she even says all the time, like, she feels like we talk more business than just being friends sometimes. But it's just, like, we have such a passion for wrestling and mm -hmm. growing our podcast we find ourselves like once every week or two on the phone, just talking about our goals and our ideas and all that kind of stuff. And we feed off of each other's energy. And that's kind of like where I get what you saying. Like when you're hanging out with someone who has your same goal and your same drive to, you know, be successful, you feed off of each other's energy. And that just makes sense versus hanging out with someone who just kind of wants to stay there. Like you don't really want to feed off of that. Cause that's not your goal. That's not what you want. Like, not that they're like a bad person or anything like that. It's just, you need to hang around the people who have your same mentality so you can kind of like grow together, you know? 
Yeah. Um, to give you a, a great example, uh, a buddy of mine uh, named Tommy Vex, um, who wrestles uh, for myself at Workrate, and he wrestles at a bunch of other places. He's recently gotten to that point where he's just like, you know what, I've been doing, I've been doing this wrestling thing for a little bit now. I'm wrestling at a bunch of these small little places. I want to grow. And um, the more that he started talking to me and hanging out with me, he kind of felt that like, you know, maybe I need to stick around him. Like this is, this is going to be the guy that's going to help me, you know, grow and get to that next level. So now he rides with me on the weekends. And if he has a show um, and I don't, I go and hang out at his show so that I can see and I can help him and, you know, do what I can and vice versa. That's why he's starting to ride with me to MCW because he sees MCW as a great place to go to and, and he really wants it. Um, so that's why he's starting to come there. And, uh, and again, it's, it's just being in that circle. Your circle is absolutely everything, whether it's, um, you know, sports related or personal, your circle is always going to be a reflection of who you are as a person also. Um, and, um, you know, I, I praise him. I praise him every single time that, um, you know, we get a chance to ride together. And I'm like, hey, man, I'm really glad that, that you're, you're coming along because that, that, that speaks volumes. There's a ton of people that reach out to me that are like, hey, man, how do I get on MCW? And I'm like, hard work. Like, that's <laughs> hard work. Like, I hate to be blunt about it, but hard work. Because a, a lot of these other companies, it's more or less like a who you know. And that's not how MCW works. Mm -hmm. MCW doesn't work of like, oh, you vouch for him? All right, we'll book him on the next show. No, because there's a gazillion people that want to be part of MCW. Mm -hmm. You have to prove that you want to be there. And you have to prove that you're going to be an asset to them. So when somebody reaches out and asks me and I tell them hard work, I never hear from them again. I never, you know, because they would rather go and wrestle on a show rather than put in the time and effort to be at MCW. And it's like, okay, I understand where your mindset is, but if that's where you want to go and that's what it takes to get there, then guess what you got to do? Um, so that's why I praise Tommy so much that he's starting to, you know, not take bookings to look at the long term. And, you know, that, and again, like the, your circle is absolutely everything. So I'm very glad that he's now part of my circle. Now, do you find that that happens a lot with people, you know, saying, oh, I want to be a pro wrestler and not realizing how much time and effort and blood and sweat you actually have to put into it to become a, a successful pro wrestler? How much time do you have? <laughs> All the time in the world. <laughs> uh, I mean, so let's look at it from a school aspect and not just mine, but others. It, it happens everywhere. Mm -hmm. people want to do it they take one bump and go oh i don't want to do i don't want to do that a million more times mm. or you say hey um, <laughs> you're kind of out of shape and you need to be in shape in order to do this mm -hmm. uh, i don't want to diet all right see you later mm -hmm. uh hey you're gonna need to basically have zero plans on the weekends for every weekend for the rest of your life if you want to do this uh, I really like going to the beach, so I don't know if I want to do that. All right. See you later. So <laughs> when I first started um, Work Rate Wrestling Academy, um, I think I had maybe 12, 10 or 12 students. Mm -hmm. um, nine months later, I have four. Wow. So it, ha and it happens all the time. It happens yeah. everywhere. And um, I'm not involved in that aspect of wrestling to make money. I'm in that, in that aspect to also help me down the road. Mm -hmm. And I also, because I'm so passionate about wrestling, mm -hmm. I love, I love teaching and I love 
showing people these little things and then going like, oh crap, like my mind's blown now. Um, I just have so much fun with it. Um, and the more people that come to me and they're like, hey, I can't do this for this reason, or I, I, you know, I have to back out for personal reasons. Good, I don't want you in my circle anymore because you're just proving to me that you're in the wrong circle. Mm-hmm. And not that, that's, that, again, not that it's wrong, but you're just not in my circle anymore. Um, to give you a prime instance, Workrate Wrestling Academy has a open tryout this Sunday, and uh, in order Here we to, go. <laughs> and in order to uh, be a part of our school, you obviously have to come to the tryout. It's not like you can just randomly walk in one day and go, "Hey, I want to sign up." Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I had somebody that on the phone with me for probably about thirty-five to forty minutes, going over about how man, I really want to do this. You know, I've been so passionate about wrestling. I'm a young kid. I'm ready to make that transition. I want to accomplish my dream. I want to do all of this stuff. I want to do this. I want to do that. All right, cool, man. Absolutely. I'll see you at the tryout. That was like two, three months ago when we first announced the tryout. I just got a message from this person yesterday. Hey, man, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it. I hit some financial trouble. It's $60. (laughs) You had... You had three months to put aside $60 and you don't have that one. You don't have that. And two, if this is what you really, really want to do, you'll find a way to make it happen. $60. (laughs) That's that's a weekend of a second job. Like, you know, even, even if you're making $8 an hour, that's a, that's one shift. Maybe one and a half after taxes. Like, <laughs> it is not hard. It's yeah. not hard at all. So when I get that, it's like, thank you for not wasting my time. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, have you ever had, I mean, I know you said like when you started, um, you know, you had 12, now you have like four. During like that initial tryout, have you been like, you're not going to make it. You're not, you're not cutting it. Nope. Nope. So there's, there's people okay so the first tryout there was absolutely somebody that i was like they're not gonna make it mm-hmm. um and they proved it during the cardio aspect i'm not expecting world-class athletes right. i get it if somebody doesn't have their cardio level up but i can always help with that so i'm mm-hmm. not focused on that but i can tell when somebody's not pushing themselves mm-hmm. i can tell when someone's just tired or when someone physically can't do something i can absolutely tell so during the cardio aspect, this person was definitely not pushing themselves. And then during the, um, when we were doing squats, I could tell for every two that everybody else was doing, he was only doing one because of how slow he was going. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, man. And I stood right in front of him and I was like, keep up with me, keep up with me. And I'm like trying to motivate him. And he still was doing one for every, everybody else's two. And I'm like, nope, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't kick it into gear when someone's staring at him right in the face and telling him, Hey, keep up. And he didn't do it. So I'm like, Oh, here's like strike two basically. And then we had a promo segment. I was just like, I want to see people's personalities. So I'm like, all right, here, um, you're going to be this person. You're cutting a promo on this person. Show me what you got. And he literally just goes, yeah, I can't, I can't do it. Like, (laughs) and I'm like, you realize this is a try out. (laughs) You're not, you have to try, otherwise you're out. Right. <laughs> like, uh, so he ended up leaving early. Like we did go, in, in his defense, we did go over time. I said it was going to be until like three o'clock. And then at one point in the middle of the tryout, I was like, can, can everyone stay till four? And they were like, yep, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. And he didn't say that he couldn't. 
And then once it got to like 315, he was like, hey, man, I got to go. I think it was more or less he realized like it wasn't going to happen for him. And I don't think that he wanted to be told like, you're not going to make it. So he left and I never heard from him again. Um, But there's also other people that I look at at a tryout and I'm like, I think you're not going to make it but I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt and maybe you're going to prove me wrong. So I'm like, I'll take you on as, as your coach, but it, it's up to you to, to prove to me that I'm not wrong. And um, so to give you a prime instance, there was two kids that tried out in the first one. They were super scrawny. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm not saying that you need to be big and bulky, but you definitely have to look bigger than what you are <laughs> because otherwise otherwise people aren't going to take you serious mm-hmm. Other, unless you would unless you just want to go out there and get beat up for five minutes every single time like you're going to have to work out you're going to have to put on some muscle here mm-hmm. um so i'm like and if you're not doing it now and you're 24 25 i'm like again like if, if you're not showing the effort like it's not going to work and they died off pretty quickly after that and i'm like so it's again like i'll give someone the benefit of the doubt i'm like hey man prove me wrong yeah. Um, but you don't. So I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that I'm right all the time. Um, you know, I've been wrong more than my share of times. But um, again, like there are people that I, I do feel they aren't going to cut it. They aren't going to make it. And I probably should cut them. But I'd rather give them an opportunity to, to prove themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you would be surprised because I've had a few jobs where I was a supervisor. and We've had new people come in and I just get that vibe like, no. And I've been proved wrong before. Like, it's not always about the look <coughs> of the person or, you know, that vibe. It's about their drive. Like, some people just secretly, they just have that drive in them and they, they really push themselves. And, you know, like you mentioned, you know, there's some people who just look like they weren't trying. Yeah, they, they may or may not, you know, have been a good wrestler, but it's just like they just didn't try. Like, some people, like, to me, that's the, one of the biggest things I've always looked for is people who try. That's mm-hmm. one of the things like if they want it and they're trying even if they may not be good enough they may get there they may take a little bit longer than others like that's just one of the most attractive you know features in someone is just their motivation and wanting to do it and put it in the effort versus you know they're not good enough because you would be surprised you know just how like some people just can go out there and just you know really surprise you and shock you and that's what you know really makes me appreciate you know those kind of people versus the you know the people who don't even try like you know like there's like even on um we saw um the show with or the movie with Paige Mm -hmm. you know there was you know all these really fit people in there and they were cut you know because you know it's just not even trying you know yeah, and, and like I do warehouse work, we have a lot of you know big muscle people come in there and like, oh, they're perfect for this job. They don't have any motivation. They just kind of drag their feet. No, they don't want to yeah. work. Versus, and we've had, and I've had scrawny people, larger people, and they're just busting their butt. Like it's you know, it's all about the drive, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely, uh, and that's what I feel that I've always had um, because growing up in sports, I always knew that I wasn't the best baseball player, basketball player. Like I, I always knew that I knew I wasn't the top guy. Um, but I knew like I was going to hustle my ass off and, and, and do what I can to, to save my spot and just show like, I'm not giving up and I'm going to keep trying. And, um, I, I, you know, I still remember, uh, not making the basketball team, um, my seventh grade year. And then I went to camp all summer in order to get better. And I came back and I made it my eighth grade year. Like I was one of those types of people where I'm like, all right, you need me to do this. All right. 
I'm going to go do it. Like, you know, there was no, there was no quitting me. Um, so yeah, I absolutely agree. Sometimes people can look the part, but they're, they're just lazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. Now, do you, before you go out for your match, this is kind of like a fun question, but do you have any like rituals, any like traditions that you do that you have like before you go out for a match? Stretch. <laughs> <laughs> that's the most uh, important thing. Oh God. Um, yeah, I have definitely learned in my, in my time, like, I'm one, I, I absolutely know I'm not young anymore. Um, <laughs> my body is so worn down. Um, I, man, I can only imagine if I was, you know, have been doing WWE for 14 years, <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, I've learned like there, there was, there was a time that I still remember. Uh, I remember I did a show out in like Williamsport and then I drove three hours to the next show. I got right out of the car and they were like, you're on deck. I'm like, ah, okay. And I went out there and I, and I pulled my hamstring and I was like, ah, I probably should have stretched. Um, or there's times where like, you know, my, I pull a groin or something like that. I'm always pulling some type of muscle. I'm like, man, I really need to, I really need to stretch more. Um, cause I'm, I keep screwing myself up. Um, so before a match, yeah, absolutely. I, I like to take at some point, even earlier in the night, I like to take about 15 to 20 minutes to just get like a real good stretch and um, be able to walk around a lot better. And then like, before I go out there, I like to just do a lot one more like light stretch just to fire up the muscles and, and get ready to, to go out there. So as far as like rituals or anything like that, I mean, if you want to call stretching a ritual, I mean, maybe it is for me at this point, which is always funny now that I think about it, because um, I used to work at a casino and there was a lot of Asians and I would see these older Asians like standing outside the casino, like randomly stretching. I'm like, what the hell are they doing? Like, <laughs> they are so smart because <laughs> now as soon as I get out of the car, because it's a three hour drive to MCW from where I live, so as soon as I get out of the car, the first thing I want to do is just stretch because I'm like, oh, God, that car. Right. So, man, they're geniuses. That's why Asians live to be 100. Yeah, that's that's funny that you mentioned, like, the stretching and all thing because I personally, she gets on me all the time for not stretching because I have a lot of, you know, back issues from doing the warehouse work for years, and it's like, I need to stretch because when I actually do get a good stretch, I feel so much better because a lot of times I come in from work and I'm kind of like arced a little bit and you know, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. So other than stretching, because I know being a wrestler, it does take a toll on your body. What other things would you recommend for people to do to kind of like diet, 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 <laughs> diet, diet, um, man. Uh, so for those that, don't that that don't follow me on social media or are unaware of it um so my wife and i just completed actually a 30-day vegan vegan challenge oh wow um so we saw this movie on netflix called game changers it's more of a documentary but either way um it's a documentary on the effects of eating meat and animal-based products and how it affects your arteries your blood system your blood flow your inflammation all of these all of these things so it's not made, the documentary is not made from people that are <coughs> vegan because of morals. It's made by people that are vegan because of the scientific benefits that, that you have from eating clean foods and not these animal products mm -hmm. or processed food in general. So the documentary really intrigued me. It really made me go, huh, like maybe I should switch to that because they were interviewing um, bodybuilders, UFC athletes, Olympic athletes, strongman competitors, um, NFL players, 
that all said that they made the switch and it helped them with their profession. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh yeah, that thing I do. Yeah, I should probably, you know, diet for, you know, that wrestling thing that I do. Um, <laughs> to make sure that like I'm the best performer that I can, that I can be. So that made me go, huh, maybe we should try this. And then on top of it too, like my wife. So in the me, in the time that we've been together, we have um, constantly been doing different blood work for her. We've been trying to figure out her body because she definitely doesn't lose weight like a normal person. So we didn't, weren't sure if it's her thyroid. We weren't sure if it was some type of uh, a dietary aspect. And then we come to find out that her body genetically cannot break down cholesterol like a normal body can. So because of that, even if she had like one piece of chicken Mm -hmm. or one piece of beef, her cholesterol is not necessarily jacked through the roof that Mm -hmm. she has a problem, but it's high. And it's because her body can't break it down. So at this point, we were like, I I had already made the joke. This was a couple of years ago. I'm like, it looks like you need to go vegetarian because Mm -hmm. you can't have cholesterol, which is cholesterol only comes from animals yeah um so we made the joke and i already knew that she had a dairy sensitivity and all these other things so we kept pointing to that anyway so a combination of that a combination of the netflix documentary it was like hey maybe we should try this and then joe rogan had this guy on who debunked the game changers documentary that said um you know this is false this is false this is false this is false this whole thing is a propaganda for people to go vegan Mm-hmm. And then what Joe Rogan did, which was amazing, Joe Rogan had James Wilkes, who was one of the producers of the documentary, and that guy that debunked the film and just said, okay, you two can have a conversation now. Go ahead. Go have at it. Mm-hmm. And James Wilkes, again, the producer of the documentary, tore this guy apart, literally tore this guy apart with all of his scientific evidence improving why all of his information is correct and all of his information is either incorrect or misleading. So to give you a prime instance, there was the, uh, this guy that debunked the film. I forget what his name is off the top of my head. But he was saying that there was a study that recently came out that said red meat and processed red meat has no direct correlation between inflammation, cancer, or any type of negative health effects, right? Mm-hmm. So this guy was sourcing this evidence, right? Mm-hmm. So James Wilkes was trying to say, you need to dive further. You can't just look at the caption of something and go, okay, this must be right. You have to dive further into it. So the company that actually did this scientific study also did a scientific study that said sugar is not bad for you. Sugar does not have an effect on diabetes, which the whole entire world knows that it does. (laughs) So then when you dive into that study, the people that, that funded that diet, or excuse me, the people that funded the scientific evidence about sugar were Hershey's, Mm. Red Bull, uh, you know, Gatorade, what, all of these companies that have sugar-related products. Mm-hmm. So, of course, these industry-funded scientific studies are going to point in the direction of, hey, look, the thing that we do is not bad. Hey, the thing that we do is not bad. So it's like you're, you're quoting this evidence about red meat, but you also have the same company that's saying that sugar isn't bad for you, but we all know that it is. Right. So you can't just use one or the other or just pick which ones are proving your point. You have to look at the totality of evidence. And mm-hmm. that's why James Wilkes tore this guy apart, which after I watched this documentary, I'm like, all right, I'm definitely, I'm definitely doing this, especially after the Joe Rogan podcast. So we just finished this up and even halfway through, I'm like, you know, a lot of people praised about how the energy levels were up. And I was yeah. like, yeah, I definitely don't feel tired as much, but I'm like, I don't know if it's the diet or if it's because I didn't have a show this past weekend and I'm trying to <laughs> on that. Right. So I'm like, I'm going to wait a little longer. 
And then at one point I was doing these drills in the ring that normally by the end of it, I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty tired. I'm not dying, but I'm like, I'm pretty tired. And then after two weeks of the diet, I did the drill and I'm like, huh, I could have kept going a lot longer. I'm like, I wonder if it's the diet or because I'm still not like struggling from the weekend of, and I'm tired and all that. So I'm like, I'm going to wait a little longer. Well, now <laughs> after, 30, after 30 days, I'm like, yeah, it's definitely the diet. Um, so a combination of like stretching and then making sure that you're eating the right things because man, how many times have you ever stayed up and watched a pay-per-view or the Super Bowl and you ate pizza wings and all this other stuff and then you wake up Monday morning Every and you're morning. like, <laughs> you're like, God, like I'm just drained from the weekend. Well, it's all that crap that we're all eating. Mm -hmm. and, and don't get me wrong. I love me some pizza and I love me some wings and I love me some steak and I love me some McDonald's and Burger King and all that other bad shit for you. I love all of that stuff, but if I don't want to be dragging Monday morning mm -hmm. and I don't want to be dragging in this world of professional wrestling, then I got to make the changes in order to make sure that I feel amazing and I'm able to do the best job that I possibly can. So um, making it, it's a, it's a whole job. It's a whole job. So it's not mm -hmm. just stretching and working out. It's diet too, which 99% of wrestlers don't do properly. Yeah, I, I definitely have to agree on you because, I mean, and Christy knows me more than anyone. I go through my phases where I'm like, no more soda, I'm done, you know, water, water, water. When I do that, I feel better, I sleep better, I don't wake up <coughs> tired, and then I know I, I'll have that one soda, then I'll get, like, hooked up, you know, hooked on it again, and then I'll start, you know, with the just being tired and not having the energy and you know I, I like the and part of it is you know my job I will say but yeah I do definitely notice the difference when I'm eating healthier so what you have to do is and and here's the problem and this is why a lot of people never make the transition of, of whatever from eating what you normally eat to eating better and making better choices the problem is you go cold turkey now granted some people can do that and by all means if you can do it go on ahead if you can just say i'm not having soda anymore boom it's done it's out and you have that mental mental strength in order to do that by all means go ahead and do it now for me I have made slow transitions over the past, I want to say, you know, five years, definitely, where like I was drinking soda all the time. I absolutely love soda. I will put down a Mountain Dew at any point, right? But then I knew like, well, I'm not really losing the weight that I want to and I really want to tighten up and I want to look the best that I can. So I, I know I have to get rid of soda because there's probably about 45 grams of sugar per can of soda and I have like six a day. So too much sugar. So I went from um, regular soda to diet soda. And then, and I know diet soda is not good for you, um, but it's my, it's my transition, mm -hmm. right? So I started drinking it and then it got to a point where when I would have, so I would drink diet soda during the week, I would have it like with dinner. And then on Sunday night, when I would have my cheat meal of pizza and soda, I would go back to regular Mountain Dew. And then at some point when I was drinking the regular Mountain Dew, it was like, I don't really taste the difference anymore because I've been drinking diet for so long. Okay. Now I don't really, I don't have the need for regular soda anymore. So now I'm just drinking diet. And then there's a point where I was having diet soda maybe three or four times a day. And then it was, all right, well, I need to incorporate more water. So then I would have water while I was at work and then I would have diet soda at night. And then now I, I still kind of do that. I, I'll have like a can, a can or two a night or something like that, just to just to get the urge off. But at least there's no sugar, so I, I mm -hmm. stay better. Um, but again, like I do it more as a choice now, rather than um, 
Like if I like, like if tomorrow, if I was like, I'm never gonna have diet soda again. All right, I can cut it out completely because I have that strength now. But again, it was a slow transition of all of this regular soda switch to diet. Don't have the need for regular soda anymore. Now I switch to diet, wa- uh, diet soda and water. You know what I mean? So now it's yeah. just more like I have I have the diet soda when like I just want like the soda craving, but I could drink water all the time if I really wanted to. So it's a slow transition. A lot of people get mm-hmm. they go cold turkey and they're like, nope, can't do this, screw it, and then they give up. But it, it's a it's a transition. Yeah, it definitely is. Like I find it for myself. Like I can go cold turkey, but I have to find a substitute. Like I can't just go from soda to water. Like I like the like do tea that's kind of my substitute even though a lot of the tea i do drink has um, sugar just not as bad as soda but yeah i i I do tea um for a while i was um actually putting like um cucumbers in my water it gave it that flavor because sometimes i just can't drink the the boring you know no flavor Boring plain water yep it's terrible yeah (laughs) (laughs) so yeah like that's that's also like a good thing that i've done you know like or lemons too it gives it that nice little refresher yeah when you drink it yeah so again, it's, it's, it's definitely transitioned for the most, for the majority of people. So, um, and, and again, that's why the majority of the country is, um, you know, not in the physical health that we should be. Um, and again, it just needs to be that transition. And I know it's a struggle for everybody. It was a struggle for me, but also you need to figure out the foundation of everything because to give you another instance. Um, so I knew that my wife had a dairy issue. And then I was like, well, maybe there's some other foods. If you have a dairy issue, there's probably other foods that are giving you mm-hmm. your, um, you know, your system trouble that you're not even realizing. Mm-hmm. Because there were times where she could have pizza and then wake up the next day and be perfectly fine. And then there's mm-hmm. other days where she would have a bagel and cream cheese and then she's ready to die. So mm-hmm. her, like, her body had its decisions of how the dairy was going to affect it. So we had a hair follicle test to find out if there's other types of food that she's sensitive to. And then we found out that eggs were also on that list. So it was, yeah, look, you're having eggs all the time. It doesn't affect you like it does dairy, but it's affecting your insides. So I'm like, we should probably cut that out also. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a, it, it, for somebody that really wants answers and it really has that goal of like, I want to be in the healthiest, best shape that I can be, then you have to take those necessary steps in order to get there. And if, you're really, if you really just want to switch because you're like, yeah, I'm trying, but I don't really care, then you know, by all means, go you know, do what you got to do. You know, yeah. whatever makes you happy at the end, at the end of the day. Now, have you felt like your in-ring performance has improved from going vegan this past month? Um, so uh, I had a match um, this past Saturday. I was actually in a, in a Royal Rumble type match. And I, I had to get there late because I was a surprise entrant. So mm. I showed up, um, you know, way after the show had started. And I realized by the time that I was dressed and I and the rumble was coming up, I'm like, oh man, I didn't have any water. Like I got so distracted with catching up with old friends and stretching and doing all these other things that I'm like, I completely forgot to hydrate myself. So I got out there and I could tell that I was dehydrated, but at the mm-hmm. same time, I'm like, I'm not dying. So I'm like, maybe the diet is helping. Like sometimes you don't, you, you don't exactly know. There's, there's obviously not going to be somebody that's going to be standing in front of you and going, Hey, this is why this made this easier, but maybe the answers are in front of you and you just overthink it. So in the instance, like I didn't, I'm not saying like, I believe because of the diet, even though I was dehydrated, I was still able to go. I'm not saying 100% because I don't know, but I'm just saying, Hey, I made this adjustment. So maybe that's probably it. Mm-hmm. Um, but even also during the, um, during that triple threat, 
Um, so that was, you know, a good amount of time into the diet, but there was never like, I'm used to that by mm. now. So I can't say the diet helped for that because I wasn't out of my element. Mm -hmm. Now, if you give me like an hour long match that I haven't done in quite some time, then yeah, that might, that might change my answer. Um, so as of right now, I think it, it has benefited me. I can definitely tell when I do drills that are supposed to exhaust me in the ring. Um, they're getting easier. So now I have to make it harder on myself. So mm -hmm. the fun part is when I do these drills in the ring with my students, normally it's like, okay, you two go and then you two go. Right. But now like I've been doing drills like back to back. So I do it with this student. And as soon as I'm done with that student, this student hops in and then we go again. So like they're all doing one and I'm doing two. Mm -hmm. um, so now it's, it might get to the point where they're doing one, maybe two, and I'm doing three or four in a row to really like just get my cardio up to that next level. So um, I guess I have to keep torturing myself. <laughs> now, are you planning on sticking with the diet or? Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to keep going with it. Um, so awesome. I was technically supposed to have my cheat meal today where, man, I've been craving some steak. Um, <laughs> I really want a big pumpkin piece of meat. Um, but, uh, I'm not going to do that because now I got to, um, I got back down to the weight that I, that I normally am for shows. Um, I had gained a good amount of weight after the holidays, which I was very much prepared for. I knew it was going to happen. I hate myself for it every time, but I got to get it out of my system too. I got to have all of those Christmas cookies and, and ham and mashed potatoes and bacon and all that other stuff. I got to get it out of my system so that I can go back. But now, honestly, because of all the different products that are plant-based, mm -hmm. but they're, that are still kind of like the meat. So like there's plant-based ground beef that I make burgers out of. So in my, in my psychological sense, I'm still having burgers. It's right. Yeah. So I don't have that craving as much because of how great the meatless industry has come. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's why I'm like, I'm on day 30. I'm supposed to have a cheat meal. I'm like, I'm just going to keep going. Like, I'm just gonna, I don't, ha I don't have that craving for it, which a lot of the athletes on the game changers thing said the same thing too. Like, um, so there's a guy, I believe it was on the Titans his wife actually created their own business by being caterers and uh, meal prepping all of these uh, meatless and plant-based options. Um, she was doing it just for the team. And then that became like their own business. And they all said, they're like, yeah, I haven't really had the craving because we eat all this stuff and it's great. So I'm like, huh, <laughs> guess they were right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I'm going to keep going. That's awesome. Yeah, kind of like what I was saying, like, it's all about the substitute. Like, you found something that you could substitute for <laughs> meat that still satisfies your craving for it, so that, like, helps you out versus, you know, you know, because, I mean, in my opinion, there's nothing wrong with um, treating yourself once every blue moon. Like, you can be really oh, yeah, healthy yeah. and still once a month go to McDonald's and get a burger, because, I mean, absolutely. at the end of the day, we all, like, I mean, who doesn't want a pizza, you know, or... Oof. Or a five guys a, burger, like I could never give that up, you know. Uh, five guys is overrated, but that's a whole nother. That's a whole nother podcast. Oh man, oh no. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, five guys is completely overrated. Yeah, um, it's good. Don't get me wrong, but way overrated. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, like for the Royal Rumble, uh, you know, we were watching as as fans, and uh, I'm like, well, normally I have pizza, so I rolled out. Uh, I made a whole wheat crust. And then uh, had my marinara, which is obviously vegan. I mean, the majority of them are vegan anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and then we had our dairy-free cheese, plant-based pepperoni. It gets the job done. 
it gets psychologically i had pizza but i didn't have pizza right um but yeah i still love i man i still miss all that stuff um it's always going to be there but um but again like even so like the plant-based ground beef when i make burgers right so before like you again you can't make a huge jump and then expect it to work i i honestly believe that it needs to be a transition so for those that normally get ground beef at the grocery store, generally everyone gets the 80-20 blend where it's 80% lean and 20% fat. The reason that the 80-20 is so good is because of that 20% fat. It mm-hmm. gets that juice. It gets that good flavor. Everyone loves fat, right? So if you jump from 80-20 blend to a 93-7 blend where it's 93% lean and only 7% fat, someone's going to taste that 93-7 blend and go, what the hell is this? Like, and you're going to go, well, it's, it's leaner. It doesn't have as much fat. Oh, this is disgusting. Cause you're so used to that 80, 20. So if you jump from 80, 20 to plant-based, you're going to go, what in God's name is this garbage? Right. But I'm so used to the 93, seven blend already because anytime that we made tacos or burgers or something like that, we use the leanest beef that we could. Mm-hmm. So me jumping from 93, seven to plant-based very easy. I ate that burger and, and it's on my Instagram story. We, we, we made an entire, uh, we made an entire vegan challenge story for this past month about different meals that we were having, our weight, uh, everything. We were we tracked everything for people to in order to see what we did and mm-hmm. inspire others to possibly do the same thing. And there's a video of me. I'm like, all right, I'm about to try this plant based burger for the first time. I take the bite, and I'm chewing it, and I'm like. It tastes like burgers. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, it, it, was, it was almost like anticlimactic because it's either you were expecting like, oh, this is disgusting or, oh, my God, this is amazing. I'm like, it tastes like a burger. Right. Okay, I'm just, just going to keep eating this. <laughs> yeah, but I definitely get what you're saying when it comes to, like, that transition and all that. Because I don't know if you've ever had the Impossible Burger from Burger King. I, I have not. And the reason that I haven't, and I don't – and I. And I apologize because of so many reports that were coming out that they were cooking the same um, meatless option on the like the grill grease. with the mm. same grease. Yeah. So from me and, and, and from me being in the restaurant industry for quite some time, I do not doubt that whatsoever. There are a lot of things that the restaurants do that are not against or excuse me, that are not up to code that are definitely like, Hey, you probably shouldn't do that, but you did it to get by. I, I not, I'm not saying I agree with it, you know, uh, whatever the case is. So because of all these reports that were coming out that said that they were doing that, I'm like, well, I'm doing it for the sole purpose of cutting out this meat product. So mm-hmm. if somebody else is handling my food and I don't know how it was properly cooked, I probably shouldn't do that. And that goes with anything. It goes with all of these people when I used to be a chef and they would come and they're like, I have a gluten allergy or I have a dairy allergy. I have this allergy, I have that allergy, I have a peanut allergy. And I'm like, well, you realize that we handle a lot of those products back there. So if you're literally going to have a small trace of something and it's going to kill you, you probably shouldn't go out to these restaurants. Right. Like, so, and that's exactly why I don't go out to restaurants right now because like, there's not a lot of great meatless options. And if I'm doing this challenge, if I'm trying to make this transition, then the last thing I want to do is just like, put myself in that position so when we had this mcw weekend uh where i won the title so that was that was a friday show we had saturday night in hollywood and then we had and then on sunday i had training right for my school so i drove down friday we stayed in delaware saturday because um ecwa uses my ring for their shows. so we had to set up saturday afternoon 
And then I had to drive to Hollywood Saturday night. And then I had to drive back. We stayed in Delaware Saturday night. I had to go and pick up the ring Sunday. Like that's a lot of travel. Yeah. Right. And this is why people go to Wawa, Sheets, Burger King, McDonald's, because they don't have anything with them. Mm -hmm. And then they go and they're like, well, this is the only thing that's open at 2 a.m. Well, guess what? I brought a whole damn cooler of like eight or nine different meals that I made for me and my wife. And I'm like, now we don't have to go and sacrifice. We don't have to go and just eat this lettuce and vegetables with not a lot of protein. I'm like, now I made all, all these meals and now we don't have to sacrifice. I'm like, so we planned ahead and we made it work. Yeah. Um, so, and, and that's another thing. So between I don't trust restaurants and uh, I also want to make sure that I'm satisfied with whatever I'm eating and making sure that I stay, I stuck to the vegan challenge. Like I just made the effort in order to do that. Yeah, that's a really good idea because a lot of people don't think about doing stuff like that. They think about the convenience of just being able just to drive up to a drive-thru and grab a burger or whatever versus just, you know, meal prepping and all that. Like, I know she does it every now and then for work, and it's just – it's healthier. It's cheaper, usually. Yes, yes. And, it, and actually, after doing it, it's actually more convenient because then you have the food right there versus having to drive out somewhere and go and get it. Yeah, so we brought that cooler. I already knew I was staying in a hotel, which every hotel has a fridge. I threw all the meals into the into the uh, into the fridge in the hotel room, and that's what I did. You know, if you watch all of these other athletes on WWE who are on the road way more than I am, um, you know, they're all packing these pre-made meals through Nutrisystem, through mm -hmm. uh, forget what the other big company is that a lot of them use, but I see it all the time. Um, but they're they're getting all these pre-packaged foods, and they carry their cooler with them, and all they got to do is pop it in the microwave and eat it. Like you do what you have to do. Like for, so for everybody that's always like, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for that. It's bullshit. It's just it's a matter just excuses. of, it's just excuses and excuses are only, uh, they only sound correct for those that need to use them or want to make them. So mm -hmm. teach their own. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, did you have any other questions? Um, no, uh, I don't think so. Yeah, I covered a lot. I mean, it was definitely, definitely enjoyable. Very educational, I'm not going to lie. Like, you definitely taught us a lot about, you know, being healthy and all that. I, oh, I definitely want to check out that show. What's it called again on Netflix? It is called Game Changers. Game it's a Changers. documentary on Netflix. Yes, it's produced mm -hmm. by uh, a guy named James Wilkes, who was a, a former UFC fighter who blew out both his knees. And what initiated his um, research in order to um, – you know, because originally it, it, he wasn't researching to be vegan. He was researching on how to come back and be healthy as fast as possible. And he wanted to find out what he can do to do that. <coughs> and in the meantime of all of his research of doing that, everything was pointing towards vegan. Mm -hmm. And he went, huh. So then that's what inspired the documentary to do all of this research and to interview these athletes. And hence why he is now a vegan athlete. And even, and here's the other thing too, that I, that I have learned in the meantime. So there are people that are vegan because of these scientific benefits, but then also have those cheat meals of like wings, pizza, steak, or something like that. But they still consider themselves vegan, which a lot of people have the misconception of when I tell people that I'm vegan, they assume it's because of morals and not because of health. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that's fine. Like, it, you know, you have to explain to people, I generally don't tell people that I'm vegan because then I don't, I don't have to stop somebody in their tracks and explain and, and go through this whole process. I just, I'm like, yeah, I just try to eat healthy. Um, yeah. but, uh, 
but there are those types of athletes. And again, like the, it's just, it, it was really eye opening. So anybody that's, and, and, and the best part is what they really press is different diets work for certain aspects of what like so for instance like when you're pregnant you can't eat red meat right you can't eat sushi you can't eat certain things if you're elderly you can't eat certain things because your body doesn't break down certain things vegan plant-based diet is the only one that's recommended for all aspects of no matter what your situation is and it really it's, it's like okay well if anyone can have this wouldn't be wouldn't that show you like this is the this is the benefit. This might be what everybody should be doing. And I don't tell everybody that they should be vegan. I'm, it only works for people that believe in it or that really want to make those that, that transition. By all means, I love me some steak. But if you're trying to lower your cholesterol, you're trying to make better health benefits, hey, maybe you should check this out and see if it intrigued you the way that it intrigued Now, how do you – what are your tips for, like, if somebody who – eats meat on a daily basis um, and wants to transition to veganism, do you have any tips for somebody? Because that's, that's a huge thing, you know, cutting out, that's a lot of food groups you're cutting out, you're cutting out meat, you're cutting out dairy, and those two are like the biggest, it's, it's, it's hard, but it's not hard to put together a meal without meat, without dairy, unless yep. you're really kind of paying attention to things and keeping your options open. So do you have any tips for people that could potentially want to transition to veganism? Yeah. So, um, firstly, um, according to scientific studies, two out of three people have an issue with dairy, whether they know it or not, two out of three people have an issue with dairy. And also, um, dairy has a huge, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to use the word huge. Dairy has a linkage to, um, you know, certain types of cancers and mm -hmm. inflammation, different things like that. So a lot of people really shouldn't be having dairy in general. Um, for me, I transitioned from whole milk to skim milk, and then I realized that there's still a lot of sugar in skim milk. So then I transitioned to almond milk, which you can't really tell the difference. Again, it was a transition. Um, but when you're transitioning from meat to plant-based options, mm -hmm. um, the big thing is a lot of people don't know. <laughs> they they yeah. don't know where they're going to get their protein and everything like that. But guess what? The power of Google compels you. <laughs> everything is on the internet now. And especially the Game Changers documentary has their own website. I believe it's GameChangersMovie.com. Don't quote me on that, though. But, I'm, but you can absolutely Google it. Mm -hmm. But all of the athletes that they interviewed on that show puts up what their meal plan is and puts up different things that they eat um, for every different meal, for snacks, for pre-workout, pre post-workout, breakfast, lunch, dinner, all that stuff. So here's a bunch of different options of foods that you could be making. And guess what? If you type in vegan diet plan, a gazillion things come up. So like, yeah. there's absolutely no excuse for someone to know like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to eat. Like, right. boom, there's the internet. Because I guarantee those same people that are like, oh, I don't know what to eat. I, I don't know, I, so I'm not going to do it. I guarantee those are those same people that are watching a movie and they go, who's that actress? I think she was in that movie. Go, all right, <laughs> yep. how, how, I met, how I Met Your Mother. Oh, yeah, she was in that too. Oh, look, and like, oh, hey, you found all that out pretty easily, right? Great. So, man, it, the, the, the vegan diet plans are everywhere. Mm -hmm. So you can absolutely go on and see it. But the big thing is you have to also track your calories, your macros in general, how many grams of fat, sugar, carbs, 
protein, everything that you're having. So I also recommend everybody to download the MyFitnessPal app to track mm -hmm. your foods because uh, you know you could be making all of these healthier options, but if you're not portioning correctly, if you don't know exactly what's going into your body, you're just putting in all this good food, which is great, but you're intaking too many calories at the same time. So to give everybody a prime instance of why logging your food and portioning is so important, think about it this way. If you go to Walmart and you wanna buy a TV, the first thing you do when you look at a TV and you're like, oh, this TV looks really nice, what's the next thing you do? Look at the price. Look at the price, right? You don't just take, you go, I'll take that TV and you just swipe your card. You have to know what the price is, right? Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing with calories. When you look at something and you go, I wanna eat that, you have to look at the nutrition label because you have to exactly know what you're putting into your body. You have to know how many grams of sugars, carbs, fat, calories that you're putting into your body. Because if you're only allowed a certain amount of calories a day and you go up to that impossible Whopper and you're like, well, that's a meatless option. Let me eat that. Well, it's still 800 some calories or however much it is, right? Mm -hmm. So you're having too many calories. So that's why you have to always check your labels. You have to portion. You have to track your foods in order to know exactly where you're going over. Because guess what? If I eat properly all day, so I had my breakfast smoothie, which I had on air. And, uh, <laughs> later, I'm going to have uh, some plant-based burgers. And then for dinner, I'll probably have some type of pasta with meatballs or something like that. Again, all plant-based. Um, at the end of the night, I'm like, oh, hey, I had like no sugar today. Guess what? I'm going to have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich because that's like maybe 20, 30 grams of sugar, depending on how much I put on it. Mm -hmm. So now I can have it because I haven't spent it, which is the same thing as money. So if you save all of this money and you go, oh, hey, look, there's this vacation that we can go on for $3,000. Oh, look, I, did, I haven't spent money in so long. I can afford that vacation. Boom, we're going, <laughs> right? It's the same thing as the TV. So calories macros everything works the exact same as money and that's how you have to treat it so the biggest two things um track your food and look up your diet plan so you know exactly what you're doing interesting definitely makes sense like a lot of people you know don't they don't think about that when they go on a diet they think oh this is healthy i can eat as much of it as i want not nope. realizing that it still has <laughs> calories still has calories too much of anything is still is bad for you Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, and that, I think that's one of the things that may turn off people from, you know, being healthier is just they don't want to go through the hassle. Some they, when they're hungry, they just want to eat. They don't want to say, okay, well, hold on, let me yep. put this in and all that kind of stuff. That, that's a challenge in itself, in my opinion. And, and, that's, and, and you're absolutely right. People don't want to go through those steps in order to get to that goal. Um, but that's also the people that are looking at themselves in the mirror and they're like, I'm not happy with where I am. And then you have to go, well, which do you want? Which do you want? Yeah, you can't have both. You can't eat whatever you want and also be in great shape. Mm -hmm. um, it, it just doesn't work that way. So that's why on top of it, I've always had, uh, especially after this long road of lifting and learning all of those aspects and then dieting and nutrition and all this stuff, all this stuff that I've learned in my tenure of being a wrestler. Now I look at somebody when they're in great shape. I'm like, man, the amount of sacrifice and time they put in to look like that, like that's insane. Right. Mm -hmm. And again, some people take the easy road if they're completely jacked. And I'm like, yeah, you might be on steroids. But either way, you still either way, you still have to put in the time in the gym and diet correctly in order to look like that. You had some help, but I still appreciate the, the work that you did put in. So then there's these people that, that look at them uh, at those types of athletes and they're like, oh, look at them. And they try to they put down them when they're really like self-consciously putting down themselves because mm -hmm. they're trying to make fun of them so that they don't feel as bad for themselves. But again, back to what you were saying, 
it's it's those types of people that give up because they don't want to put in all that work and that's why that they're not happy with themselves and if you can't and if you, if and again if, if you want to be if you want to be slightly overweight that's fine as long as you're happy with yourself but also at the same time you know uh, i think it was jillian michaels that recently said this where a lot of people are like we need to stop like being like I'm, she wasn't saying that we need to fat shame people what she was saying was we need to stop up playing of how beautiful these out of shape people are because guess what mm -hmm. like that's not healthy yeah you're going to hurt yourself in the long run so we're not saying like big is beautiful like yeah you're beautiful no matter what because you're a person but at the same time we can't say like oh you're perfectly fine because guess what you're going to be diabetic and you're mm -hmm. going to lose a limb or you're going to have a heart attack or something like that so it's at the same time it's like praise people for their beauty of inside but also try to have people encourage people to be in the best possible health and condition that they can be yeah and i am i'm so happy that you said that because i feel like that's something that a lot of people especially these days they're not really understanding you know they see models oh you know they're a plus size model um you know they're big they're beautiful this and that and that is like you said that's true but what they're promoting they're not they're not being healthy because like you said, they're going to get diabetes. They're, you know, being overweight is scientifically proven to cause medical issues and health issues and this and that. So versus yes, you don't have to be a size zero to be beautiful, beautiful. to be considered yeah. beautiful and pretty and this and that you can be bigger and still be, you know, 100% beautiful, but it's all about your health. If you're in good health and you're, you know, big boned or, you know, you're just a little bit bigger, that's one thing. But, you know, when you're bigger and you're promoting, hey, you know, I'm plus size, you know, this is what I look like, I'm overweight, but I'm still beautiful, that's not a good message to be sending people. And I feel like that's because, I mean, we, we are in America, um, I feel like that's the message that a lot of people want to hear, and that's the message that a lot of people want to see. They want to see, oh, this famous person is overweight, I'm overweight, you know, we're on the same boat. If they're, if they can be overweight, I can be overweight and, you know, be yeah. completely fine. And that's not necessarily the case. You still have, like, you can be whatever size you want to be. And if you're happy that size, that's completely fine. But you also still have to take care of your body and you still have to be, you still have to be healthy. So that's, I'm glad that you we, said that. We live... We live in what I like to call the eggshell of the world because everyone walks on it and everyone's afraid of offending somebody or mm -hmm. people taking the thing the wrong way and then being blasted on social media for saying the thing that they said, but that's not what they said um, or that's not what their intention was. Um, but then again, at the end of the day, like if you look at the other countries in the world and you compare what we do compared to what they do, like there's, there's, there's other countries in the world that ban things that we allowed to eat because mm -hmm. they know that it's not good for you. Mm -hmm. So if other countries are like, Hey, this isn't allowed in our world because it's not good for you, but we allow it over here. Like that's a message to me. Mm -hmm. That's a big thing. You're outlawing something. Yeah. That's insane have, to me. Yeah. Have you seen on the topic of documentaries on Netflix? Have you seen the documentary? I don't know if it's still on there. It's been a while since I've seen it, but it's called What the Health. Have you heard of it or seen it? I think I've heard of it, but I, I'm not aware of it. Okay. So like I said, it it was on Netflix. It's been a long time since I've seen it, so I don't know if it's still on there. But I'm telling you, watching that documentary, that genuinely like terrified me because 
it so it was if I remember correctly like I said it's been a while but it was this guy and he's basically doing all of this research about not necessarily the types of foods that we're eating but it's it's it more looks at like the industry of everything so the industry of you know red meats and things like that and the effects that it has on the body but one of the biggest things that they touched base on was on the i think it was like the national cancer association website it lists like you can go on there and it they give you tips on, you know, what to eat, you know, what things to avoid that, um, cause there are a lot of like foods and things like that, that have been linked to cancer. And I can't remember what was one of the things that it had listed on the American Cancer Association website, but it was essentially like a red meat that was on mm -hmm. their website. And it had something to do with they they were promoting something and then the brand tyson they were encouraging people to eat the brand like tyson like you know the frozen food which that's a given you know you shouldn't eat frozen food the preservatives and stuff like that and come to find out tyson is a sponsor of the american cancer association so he's basically like calling up these companies um, and trying to get more. It's it's a really, really good documentary. Like I said, I don't know if it's still on there, but if it is, I would recommend it um, because it really dives into, you know, associations. Yeah. And like well-known well organizations that, like I said, like the American Cancer Association, they're telling people to go eat red meat, you know, like it listed, then he shows it, like it listed right there on their website. And it's the whole, I couldn't even get through the whole documentary because I was, I was like, I was so triggered by it. I was like, I can't even finish this right now. No. Um, so so it, it, it goes with, it goes with everything that we talked about earlier about how you have to look at the totality of evidence. Yeah. You have to look at the big picture and not just the caption, you know, and I actually made that Facebook post uh, at one point where, um, you know, because you see it a lot from people that are like, oh, like a, a woman will share it. And it'll be like studies show that husbands that don't agree with their wives are 33% likely to die young. Like, and they're like, Oh, look, science. And they're like, no, did you, did you look at the whole, did you look at the whole thing? I know it's, you're probably just being funny. Um, or even people that are, sh that are sharing like, Oh, this person died. Yeah. Five years ago. Like you're not looking at the totality of everything. Mm -hmm. um, but a big thing that I talk <laughs> about with, um, you know, switching over to the vegan option and telling people like, yeah, you know, it just doesn't look like, you know, it's, it's a good thing. There's, there's two things that I, I, I like to tell everybody. Um, so on the documentary itself, they compared, um, they compared meat to cigarettes and yeah. they weren't, they weren't saying that meat is as bad as cigarettes. What they were saying was it's the same playbook. So there's the meat industry that is promoting like that you need to eat meat. You need to do this. You need to do that, which is like, I get it. It's a marketing thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and it wasn't until, and, and it was the same way with cigarettes. There was doctors that smoked cigarettes. They had professional athletes smoke cigarettes for their, all of their ad campaigns back in the day, right? They had all of these famous people like, oh, this person smokes cigarettes. Why don't you, mm -hmm. right? It's a marketing thing. Not, and then it was years later that we were like, oh, yeah, that's right. Like, it definitely causes lung cancer. And now they have to have that advertisement on everything. So they're saying... If meat is being advertised the way it does now, how many years is it until we definitely know that these meat products either definitely cause cancer or may mm -hmm. cause cancer? And it's starting to show that now yeah. with the with the evidence that we have. So then, so I, I I I tell people about that comparison. Like, really think about it. Like, if we thought that these were fine back then, and now we definitely know that cigarettes are bad, 
what is it, what is, what is 10, 15, 20 years going to say about meat now? We have no idea until we get there. And then the next thing that I like to tell people when they're like, oh, you know, my, my uncle used to eat steak every single night for dinner. He, and he lived to be 104. Like, what, what about that? Okay, so here's my argument to that. How many people do you know that smoke cigarettes and people get lung cancer at 40 and people that smoke every single day and they actually live to be like 80, 90 years old? It all depends on your body. It all depends on what, what's going to happen. You know, and unfortunately, that's why there's children that have cancer. And then there's people that live to be 100 and never have cancer. It all depends on your body. But if, if there's this item that could potentially cause cancer, why risk it? You know, like, why, why just keep doing it? Or at least if you're going to keep doing it, don't be surprised if it, if it happens down the road and then you go, oh, man, maybe I should have done this. Maybe I should have done that. Yeah. Um, so, again, there's, there's, a, there's a much bigger picture. And, again, people are always going to make their, their own decisions, which is perfectly fine. It's their life, if not mine. But, hey, what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah, but I, I definitely agree with you. Like, everyone's body is different. Like, I'm one of those people. Like, I could eat anything, and as much as I want, I don't gain a single pound. I've been that way my whole life. And versus me, like, I can drink a milkshake, and I'm, like, jiggling for a month. Like, <laughs> Good big daddy quote. Big, good, nice big daddy quote there. I, I got that. I picked up what you were putting down there. <laughs> Uh, what but, were you saying? I was just saying, like, yeah, just like in general, like everyone, yeah. you know, like your body's so, different. Uh, so again, there's somebody that's like, yeah, man, you, you know, in order to be healthy, man, I eat, I eat egg whites every single morning. Well, guess what? If my wife eats egg whites, she's gonna be, she's gonna be feeling sick. Yeah. Right. Like, oh, have some Greek yogurt. That's definitely a good protein option, and it's a lot healthier of an option. Well, she's gonna die if she has too much dairy. So it right. all depends on your body. It all yeah. depends. Yeah. So you just gotta figure out what works for you. Yeah. Well, you definitely will not be seeing us at tryouts on Sunday. Maybe we'll catch the next one whenever that is. <laughs> That's perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah, we will be at MCW uh, next month. On the twenty second. Yeah, the Kurt Angle. On February twenty second. Yeah. Coming to see coming to see the Olympic hero, Mr. Definitely. <laughs> I'm not sure if you know this, but he won a gold medal with a broken freaking neck. You know, just want to throw that out there. What? I did not know you that. You know that? No. He talks about that all the time, girl. <laughs> oh, I was I was literally making a joke because he he has to slip that in every every time that he talks. So I thought I thought that was a thing. Well, so I was I was just I was trying to be facetious, but it just didn't work. <laughs> well, that that definitely was true. And he also likes a lot of dairy too. I know that. Yes, he does. <laughs> like, yes, he does. Milk. Yes. All right. Well, yeah. Um. Thank you so much yeah, for joining thank us you. today. This is definitely an honor, you know, having the MCW champion. <laughs> uh, don't, don't say honor, it, but it was, uh, but thank you guys very much for having me. I very much appreciate it. Yeah, thank and you. No problem at all. And um, do you have any uh, social media you want to plug? Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah, if anybody wants to uh, follow me on social media, uh, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and the Twitter, uh, which is at Kikoa Pro. Um, you can also follow our, uh, our wrestling company, work rate entertainment on Facebook and Instagram, uh, and Twitter. It's on all three of them. Um, but you can find us at, at work rate entertainment. Um, and then you can also find our wrestling school, which is at work rate wrestling Academy on Facebook. Um, we have the upcoming tryout on Sunday. Uh, so for anybody that's been thinking about becoming a professional wrestler, now's the time, um, stop wasting another day. If that's your dream then go chase it. Um, so we have an open tryout this Sunday. Please contact us in order to reserve your spot. Um, we also have uh, Work Red Entertainment has a show uh, this coming Saturday, which is Valentine's Vengeance. We come back home to our home area. 
uh, which is in Scott Run, Pennsylvania, which is located inside Forever Fitness in the Pocono Manor area. Um, so that's our big show Saturday, the tryout on Sunday. Um, and then for the MCW tour, uh, well, we actually are going to be back in Joppa, Maryland on February 8th for Future of Honor. I defend the title against I don't think he calls himself number one Brian Johnson anymore, but he's number one, or he's number one to me, uh, Brian Johnson. Uh, that's going to be on February 8th, and then we're back at MCW February 22nd for Job Maryland. And the big Kurt Angle, like we already said, is going to be coming back. Um, so uh, anybody that's listening, I very much hope that you guys uh, come out to an MCW show. As you heard our, our two lovely hosts say, you know, they, they came to one show in December, and they've been hooked since then, and it's a different vibe. <laughs> than you know the wwe and especially for anybody that's listening that has been debating on taking their kids to an independent show in general it's a lot more personal it's a lot more of an experience that the that the kid is going to be able to go home and be like oh my god like that was amazing mm -hmm. um there's going to be a lot of different things that independent shows can do that wwe just can't do um there's, there's going to be a lot of times where you take your kid to go possibly get a, a picture or an autograph with their favorite wrestler and a lot of times it's just not going to happen. It just doesn't work out that way. Whereas if your kid all of a sudden, because of uh, a fan and their favorite wrestler is, I don't know, maybe Keiko the Hawaiian Warrior, um, he's always there. He's always out at intermission taking, uh, taking pictures and signing autographs and selling his merchandise. So bring your kids over, come meet us. Um, it's definitely going to be a great time, and it's going to be one that you're going to get hooked just like these two lovely hosts are. Exactly, because that's one thing I will say about MCW. I can't say it about all independent you know promotions but you know you all are out there prior to the show starting meeting the fans and shaking our hands and taking pictures like that that was one of the things that really drawed us there because we've never seen anything like that like you know we're just sitting on their chair you know the one day and um show right. time and hot boy just came right up to us and you know shook her hands and i'm seeing them go around and um robbie and bobby yeah. and gia like it's just such a great experience there because we want you guys to come back and you know we want it's you guys working. to feel like <laughs> and we want you guys to feel like you know you know us on a personal level so that mm -hmm. you have you know that more of a connection of like yeah i want to go see them and i want to see them succeed because as you see uh mcw has produced so many people so many successful uh superstars now whether it's velveteen dream leo rush um jessica carr who is now smackdown's first ever a full-time female referee. I mean, there's so many people that if you follow their careers from the time that they were in MCW and now all of a sudden they're in WWE, it's like, man, when that person comes out of the Royal Rumble, it's like, I was watching them in Chicago. <laughs> it's amazing. So me watching like Mercedes Martinez come out, Mia Yim, like all of these phenomenal people that I have gotten to in order to either share the ring with or share a locker room with and seeing them on the big stage, man, it, it means so much to me and I'm so happy for all of them. And it's going to be that same feeling that you guys are going to get as fans. Um, if you come and meet us and get to know us and come see us every month and then hopefully one day we get that same phone call. Yeah, we're definitely hoping, I mean, definitely for you too. Like, um, you know, as Goldberg would say, you're next. <laughs> ah! <laughs> We'll see. Just, hopefully the cards are hopefully the cards are played the the right way, but I hope. Yeah, I mean just you know, just stay motivated, just keep doing what you're doing. I mean, MCW is a great platform, part. you know. Yeah, that's <laughs> the easy part. Yeah, but yeah, you you got a great platform, you know, and I, I could definitely see it. Like I you know, I get you know, I get that vibe from you and I got the same vibe when I interviewed Gia Scott. Like you're just so hungry and motivated and you know, people like you have that advantage over the people who just go out there and just, Oh, I'm just gonna do my thing. Like you want more and you keep you know, you stay hungry and I think you have a good chance to you know for success in the future. 
Absolutely. Thank you. And make sure the next time that you see Gia Scott, um, just, you know, say hello. And then also be like, you know what? Um, I really like Keikoa's choice of colors. I really like that he wears orange all the time. And she is going to get very upset with you. Um, <laughs> she makes fun of me all the time because she's like, you only ever wear orange and black. You need to change your colors. And I'm like, I've been wearing orange and black for 13 years. Why in God's name would I ever change my colors now? And she's like, well, maybe it's time for a change. And I'm like, or it's not because everyone knows me as orange and black now. And even a quick funny story, the first time that I was ever on WWE, I was only in the background, right? I was just an extra, uh, I think it was John Cena or Chris Jericho was walking by and I'm just hanging out in the background, right? And I had on an orange button up shirt and my back was even to the camera. So you only saw my ponytail and the orange shirt. And I got a text from Adam Cole and he's like, bro, were you just on WWE? And I was like, how the hell did you know? Like, my back was turned. He's like, I saw the orange shirt. And I, figured, <laughs> I, figured was, I figured it was you. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So I'm like, no, I'm not changing my colors. Everyone knows me as black and orange, so that's, it's sticking that way. So make sure that you tell Gia that my choice of colors are amazing. I definitely, I definitely will next time I see you. I talk to her, like, every time we go now. So I'm oh, she makes, that. she picks on me all the time all the time and i always come in a suit so like when i wear a purple shirt or something like that she's like oh look not orange i'm like yeah but it's not i'm not wearing it out there yeah we <laughs> saw that when we were in the car waiting to go in um in jan or you know a few weeks ago we saw you walking in with the suit and all it's like oh look you know coming in he was like there's the wine guy <laughs> i'm always in a suit always in a suit you don't see you don't see tom brady Michael Jordan, all these <coughs> professional athletes show up to a show in sweatpants and, you know, a grungy shirt exactly. and a hoodie. They show up in full suits. You see WWE athletes show up in professional dress attire. So why are we any different? If you want to separate yourself as showing that you are part of a, you are a professional and you carry yourself as a professional, then why would you ever wear anything else? And I get it. Some people just don't want to wear it because they hate wearing suits and it's not as comfortable. And I get it. I want to wear sweatpants in the car too, but I, I more uh, care about carrying myself as a professional. I've been doing that since day one. I have never not worn a suit to a show. So that's my thing. <laughs> yeah, I definitely like that. Like you said, it definitely makes you stand out and everything. Woo. But, uh, yeah, so, um, like you mentioned, you know, a few minutes ago, um, follow you all on social media, your, um, your wrestling, um, training school as well. And then, um, everyone else just make sure you look for us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, as I said, <laughs> and Instagram, um, where it, just look us up. Oh, Total wrestling. <laughs> and thank you all for tuning in. This was definitely an, like, well, I will leave the honor. This was definitely an, an enjoyable, um, <laughs> yes, episode. it was an enjoyable chat. And uh, thank you all for tuning in and make sure that you uh, go to MCW if you're in the area. Definitely, like I said, you know, a great experience. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, we definitely plan on going pretty much every month as long as there's a awesome. <laughs> Thank you guys again for having me. All right, no thank problem so at all. Much. Thank you so much.